Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. I'm kind of a big deal. So when we hear the music, Colin, take it away. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuy, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome into this Monday edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10, brought to you in part by the Brown Funeral Homes and Cremations. Robert Field and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Spencer Punick, Verzlini, and Colin McLaughlin, happy to have you with us here as we look back at this week four in high school football. And unfortunately for Martinsburg, things just didn't go their way. Colin losing uh, 34-2. to three and getting a field goal with about three seconds left yeah uh highland springs was the uh better team and it was clear on friday night that they were uh the speed in their athletes and just uh martin at that quarterback spot was able to find his playmakers and also make some plays himself and it seemed like unfortunately for the bulldogs they just had no response and when things uh started to click for the bulldogs it unfortunately typically ended in uh either turnover on downs or just a turnover in general with a few fumbles and then some interceptions as well but i think martinsburg is still the best team in the state of west virginia they just played a really good opponent in highland springs and shouldn't have to worry about them yeah i think uh this game could have been much closer still if Martinsburg would have executed a few times in a few crucial situations. But it, it was pretty clear Highland Springs was the better team this season uh, against the Bulldogs and it made things very difficult on Martinsburg in particular. They couldn't really establish any rushing attack, and that's what they were trying to do uh, throughout the majority of that first half and then kind of fell behind and felt like they needed to take deep shots down the field that just weren't really there. So a very impressive win for Highland Springs. And for Martinsburg, it doesn't really affect you that much, I don't think, in terms of this season's ultimate goal, which is to win the state championship, because you're not going to have to play Highland Springs again. Uh, And you can take it as a really good opportunity to learn and get better. Uh, so then when you run into some of the tougher teams in the state, you've already played probably the toughest team you're going to see this year. So it's really not a negative that Martinsburg lost this game. They can only really get better from here. Yeah. And I think that's also, how they have to look at it. Also, I think it's maybe kind of a, a wake-up call for them of sorts. Like, hey, we can't do this again if we want to be where we have been. It's kind of like last year's Spring Valley game, just a little earlier. Yeah, Dylan said it at the end of the game on the uh, broadcast. Sometimes you just need to be humbled. And I think uh, this game hopefully did that for Martinsburg. And this week they will uh, have a fire underneath them and light up the scoreboard yet again like we're used to seeing. And unfortunately for Hedgesville, it's going to be against them. Yeah, and you know, you going back, I had to do some research with uh, Matt Miller during the game. I was like, hey, I texted him. He was in the crowd, but I obviously couldn't find him because mm-hmm. I was on the sideline. I was like, hey, do you know the last time Martinsburg? This was at halftime. They were shut out at halftime. And he couldn't tell me off the top of his head. And then at the end of the game, when they kicked the field goal and made it, I was like, well, it was. I went back, did some research uh, while I was at the game for Max Preps. And. 
the last time Martinsburg got shut out at Coburn Field was 32 nothing on October 14th of 2005 against Jefferson. So if they would have been shut out, it would have been the first time since 2005, but they didn't get shut out. They scored a field goal to not get shut out. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty surprising loss there, and I think it's been a very long time since they lost at home, too. Not as long as 2005, but I want to say 2016 or No, 2020, they 2020, lost the streak. Uh, when they lost the streak, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a home game. but It was back-to-back years that they lost yeah. regular season to Spring Valley. That makes sense. I forgot about that one. But they also had lost uh, earlier in the year, or back in late 2016, but it doesn't matter now. Um Martinsburg, though, still a uh, impressive team. I think they'll they'll bounce back this week against Hedgesville, but it is kind of that wake up call that you know these slow starts that they've been getting out to. You know you can't continue that stuff, and we knew that I think heading in. But I, I felt like Martinsburg was going to clean things up and make it a competitive game, and if not win, uh, have it be very close. But that wasn't the case, so. There are still some things that this team needs to continue to work on, and they have had some pretty important injuries as well that I think has hurt this team, and maybe the depth isn't at the same part point that it was last year because they are a much younger team, I think, this year already. So uh, this team will continue to grow, continue to get better week to week, and it's not some, this loss isn't going to end the season, like I said, uh, your goal is still there to win the state championship, and it's still very much a realistic and, and possibility for this team. So you don't want to overreact to this loss, but you do want to learn and get better from it. And, and it seems like every single game, being down on that sideline, it, it, I'm able to, to obviously see things calling. You can't see up in the mm-hmm. booth. And it just seems like this year's team, there's a lot of pe- players getting injured. Yeah, and one that we uh... – learned of this weekend might be serious we'll have to ask is uh Sarad Musgrove I kind of caught it in that first quarter when he uh went for a diving catch and I said on the broadcast looks like he's grabbing his hand uh yeah got to keep an eye on it hopefully he's okay and he played the rest of the game but I learned uh yesterday from Donna so shout out to Donna for giving us the uh information that unfortunately he uh broke his hand yeah, I during the game and played with a uh, broken, I guess, the finger, knuckle, wherever it was, yeah. the entire game. So we'll have to see if uh, you can play with a broken hand. I, I know it's not. It's going <laughs> but to as be a painful receiver, though. And as a receiver, well, maybe he can't play receiver, but maybe he can play defense. Yeah, that's true. We'll have to see if he's playing. I, I think he it will, unless it requires surgery. That, right. That'd be the only question marks so don't want to speculate there but a thing that intrigued me in the game because we hadn't seen it all season long but we probably all knew it was coming was Murphy Clement becoming a running back in the backfield alongside Ezra Bajant and as you mentioned Nick I think it was just because of the opponent that they were playing the rushing game was not there at all no it was not for Martinsburg but will we see that any time for the rest of the regular season, or do you think they put that back in the back pocket until the playoffs? I think you could still see it because he's their best athlete, so you want to find ways to get him on the field, and you do have that dynamic then too where you can run potential trick plays with both him and Ezra on the field. So I think there is a 
good option there to throw Murphy Clement in the backfield along with Ezra Bajan. We saw it toward the end of last season, I think, a little bit. So, Yeah, we saw it in the playoffs with Hudson when they yeah. had to because they lost Murphy due to his injury. So I think they'll use him again in, in a running back type role. I mean, in the uh, Eastern Panhandle, it seems like every time he touches it, he scores. Yeah. Uh, when he's, you know, either at, or at quarterback running the football. So um, I think it's still a very good idea to, to get Murphy Clement on the field in as many ways as possible, whether that be at running back, quarterback, or even split him out wide at receiver at times if you really wanted to. Yeah, and, you know, moving on to the next game, Martinsburg will play Hedgesville this Friday at Coburn Field. It's Martinsburg's homecoming. Um, obviously, Martinsburg's going to be ready to, to dominate, but a team that, that stuck with a really good team in Morgantown was this Hedgesville team. It was 28-21 to 21 at halftime, and, you know, when I saw that score, just because of knowing Morgantown and what they can do, uh, I was not, not necessarily shocked, but I was impressed that Hedgesville at the time was able to stay with them because I knew it was going to be – we talked about it on Friday that it was going to be really one of those games that either Hedgesville was really going to shock you, and I think they did in that first half. And I think it goes to show that this Hedgesville team is going to get more than four wins this year. Yeah, I still put them as a uh, top-10 team in the state with how they hung around Morgantown, but I think Morgantown's a top-3 team. Yeah, team. I mean, they came in, in the the, as the number they are three team. Very good. They know how to find ways to score. Obviously, they did so and made it what forty eight or was it forty nine? Forty nine to twenty one. Forty nine twenty one was the final score. So th- that's a really good team. And unfortunately for Hedgesville, they just got shut out in the uh, second half. And Morgantown ended up being the better team. But I still like the way this Hedgesville program is going i know and i think everybody knows that now they're playing martinsburg this week so it's going to be even tougher going up against the number one team in the state but i still think that hedgesville other than maybe this week could possibly win out yeah i think that it's going to be big for them to be able to do something and compete with martinsburg this week and you know do it at least you know compete in that first half like i believe they were down 21 nothing against Martinsburg at halftime yes. last year. If I remember off the top of my head was the halftime score. Uh it's going to be it's going to be a big game this Friday obviously. Uh but Hedgesville they'll they'll play the uh next 3 weeks. They've got three pack games in this week Martinsburg, Spring Mills the next week then Musselman, Friendship Collegiate Academy out of Maryland, then Jefferson and Hampshire to end the season. So I think that they've got a I think that that game against Spring Mills is going to be pretty intriguing as well as the Musselman game. I think they're a playoff team for sure at this point. Uh, they just need to, you know, obviously take care of business and get those couple of wins here uh, to get into the playoffs. But I'm pretty impressed with Hedgesville. I thought they had a chance last week. Uh, Morgantown pulls away. Morgantown's a good team. I don't know if I'd put them in the top three, but I think they're definitely a top five, five to six area. I think Dave Wilson gave us a pretty good breakdown of how he thinks things will play out when we had them on the show uh but the mohegans are an impressive team and they're a team that was you know in that situation last year and you just compare the scores from last year to this year it's a much uh better improvement for hedgesville so they continue to get better and i think they'll find themselves in the playoffs this year for certain i mean they ha- they have a pretty good team they have some good skill positions and they've been able to be competitive and get some big wins at this point in the season so 
Yeah, this I week think- will be tough, obviously, going up against Martinsburg. But, again, it's another chance to uh, be competitive with a really good team and continue to get better at, at the very least uh, this week against the Bulldogs. Yeah, and um, another team that Morgantown playing this week is Musselman. They got a win over Sharando out of Virginia, 30-26, to now 3-1 and one on the season. Uh, so you got three teams right now, three and one on the season in the EPAC, but Musselman, a, a pretty impressive win, and they're going to have to do something impressive again this week to get a win over Morgantown. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, tough challenge because, obviously, as we just said, Morgantown is a good team, and I'll stand by the fact that I think that they are currently a top three team in the state. But you're playing at Musselman, so hopefully the Appleman will uh, be able to look at the film, see what, I guess – worked for Hedgesville, what didn't work, and try to match up with Morgantown. I like this Musselman team as well. I think they have the capability of being a top 10 team in the state. I think they're right there at either 9 or 10 right now, and if they can compete in this one, get a win, that'll move them up. And then I can't wait for when we have Musselman Hedgesville. That's going to be a fun Game. Yeah, we'll have that on Friday, October 7th. I mean, the schedule's right there. Uh, that's the wrong year schedule. Uh, it'll be Friday, October 7th with Martinsburg hosting Riverside out of Ohio on or October 8th. So October 7th, we'll have that game for it. It's going to be a big game. I yeah. think that's for second in the EPAC. Yeah, uh, we'll continue to go down these uh, EPAC scores. The only EPAC on EPAC game, which was kind of surprising, but again, it's this early season. Now you got two teams at two and two uh, with the win for Jefferson, a shutout of Spring Mills. That's the second time they've been shut out in EPAC play this year. I thought it would be a little bit more competitive, yeah. but I wasn't surprised that Jefferson won by multiple scores because, like I said on the show, I, I just thought they had the more talented team overall. Uh, and Spring Mills isn't quite to that point yet where I think they're going to compete consistently with some of the top teams in the EPAC. Um, and that proved on Friday night. And I think that's also a really good win for Jefferson because they hadn't finished a game. They hadn't beat up on an opponent yet. They had leads against Musselman. They had a big lead against uh, Millbrook. Millbrook in week mm-hmm. one and, and almost let it slip. But they come out against Spring Mills and they don't only have a lead and have a big lead but they finished that lead with a shutout so it's a big win i think for jefferson in that standpoint that they can kind of build on that have a complete game uh success and uh continue to get better and prove that their talent is there once again this year to potentially be you know top three team in this conference and uh continue to fight for another playoff season i mean we're right now at this point you got to put Jefferson in the conversation with yeah. Musselman and Hedgesville. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how many teams are able to reach the postseason uh, out of the Eastern Panhandle. It definitely will be, and uh, we'll keep you updated on all these. We'll talk to each head coach this week. Uh, but the final game for an EPAC team on Friday as Washington fell to Independence and Ashburn, Virginia, 49-7. to Got a touchdown, though, which is good because they got shut out last week against the double-A team here, double-A team here in the state. But this team in Independence, a pretty good team now, 3-0. and uh, But for Washington, as you know, we talked with Coach Glenn Simpson, it's about building each week. And, and I think maybe you build off scoring a touchdown in this game and then you, you play a team that you can definitely beat in Parkview next, this week. Yeah, but unfortunately for them, the hole is just even deep. 
being 0-4 if you want to get to the playoffs and if you want to get over that hump of being 5-5, you have to win out. And that's going to be tough with Martinsburg still on the schedule. We had high expectations for this Washington team, and unfortunately they have not delivered to those high expectations. I still think they have talent. It just hasn't all came together yet, it seems like, for them. And I think these last two weeks have been kind of the most disappointing of the two weeks because you knew, you know, there's two EPAC games. You got out to a 15 nothing lead against Hedgesville. Hedgesville comes roaring back with just the spread offense that they have. And then, you know, you lose a game by a field goal to Spring Mills, and you think maybe this could be a pretty good team for Washington where they're in these games. But then, you know, getting shut out 28 nothing, and then uh, losing 49-7 to this week, I think that you're going to need to get back on track against Parkview. But then you got, you just mentioned, you got Martinsburg, you got Preston, then you got Musselman, Hampshire, Jefferson. So you got three more EPAC games in there. And I think that those three EPAC games are going to be very tough ones for them. I would say the exact opposite. I think those first two weeks are the disappointing I losses agree. for Washington. And, you know, the last two weeks, they probably, when I was looking at their schedule, I, I kind of thought that they, I thought Frankfurt maybe could have gone either way for them in the preseason. And then Independence, obviously, I think you would have put down as a loss uh, if you were looking at Washington's preseason. So you would have expected them to be at least 2-2, two and two, I think, if you had high expectations for Washington at this point in the season. Uh, but they're not. So now they have a chance you know, this week to get that first win. But like Colin said, it's going to be very tough to see them in the postseason or even get back to 500 uh, with the rest of their schedule. So those first two games really did put you behind. And then these last two weeks were kind of what we expected, but also weren't great showings out of your team. So not a whole lot of positives for Washington here moving forward, but Hopefully they can get back on track this week with a win and then maybe build something together to at least have a 500 season. Yeah, I agree with uh, Nick that the first two are probably the more disappointing ones that you lost because those were the winnable games. As you mentioned, Spencer, they were up 15-0 in the first half in week one against Hedgesville and let it slip, and then it was only a field goal that decided the outcome between Washington and and Spring Mills, and then the past two games, they were never really in it. So were those truly winnable? Yeah, I think that's a good question there as well. Uh, But kind of let's look around the state. So we got the initial WVSSAC rankings for the playoffs last week, and and I think a lot of people's minds have changed as we discussed in the initial ratings. I mean, you see Parkersburg South, the number two team, beat up on the number four team in Parkersburg in that big rivalry, 55-7. to You saw Double A in North Marion, Beat number fifteen just in the playoffs at two at two and one, uh, fourteen nothing Brook, and then you know you see uh, Morgantown beat Hedgesville forty nine twenty one the three versus the six. But the most intriguing win I think is probably the, what what was a very good win for Spring Valley coming in as the eighth ranked team over the number fifth ranked team Hurricane thirty eight thirty one twenty eight. And I think you talked about that Nick last week that it seems like Hurricane seemed to be overrated already. Yeah, but obviously they're not. I mean, yeah. they competed with Spring Valley, and I thought Spring Valley was the better team heading in, but I think Hurricane impressed me enough to say that they could be a top-five team in the state this year. Uh, you know, they had a lead through the majority of that game, and then late Spring Valley takes the lead there uh, to win it 31-28. So, 
Hurricanes legit, I think, after this week. Even though they lost, I still think they're a really good team. And I think it's a lot of these early buys that are kind of for these these teams in that end of the state that are really kind of changing a lot of numbers. Because you looked at Spring Valley, they were coming in at 2-0. They already had their buy. They were ranked 8. Then you go down uh, to George Washington, or Huntington, not ranked. They beat up on number 10, George Washington, 58-13. to They're, Huntington's now 2-1. George Washington now 2-2. Two two. Uh, I think that that's a good showing of those buys, what they do to those initial weeks. Yeah, and I think we said, too, last week, uh, that you know, teams like Cabell, Midland, Huntington, and Spring Valley are probably going to end up in that top five and, yeah. and potentially even Hurricane as well. So uh, these early rankings don't mean anything besides that at this point in the season, if you continue to win, you'll probably find yourself in the playoffs. Uh, but you might not find yourself in the same situation that you are now, which is you know a top five team or, or whatever the case may be. So... Like a Parkersburg South win over Parkersburg, while it's still a good win, I don't know if Parkersburg's even going to be a playoff team. Just yeah. because at this point, it's so early in the year that it's hard to to put them in there necessarily, even though they're number four at this point. Yeah, and you know, a big win this week was uh, Wheeling Park, the la- one of the last teams in the playoffs right now, over number 11 University, 55-33, to 33, Wheeling Park and... Uh, and Musselman are going to do battle here in a few weeks, and I think that's going to be a very big game to see where Musselman is. Uh, but that was a kind of a shocking score. Another shocking score uh, was an 0-3 Bluefield team out of Double A uh, playing with Woodrow Wilson and only being a three-point game, 30-27 to around the state. Uh, Buchanan Upshur uh, losing to John Marshall, 31-7, to was another kind of shocker there. Um, and... You know, I don't think this was a shocker at all. Cabell Midland, you know, routing uh, South Charleston sixty-two to six. But again, that Cabell Midland team had a buy as well, so they weren't ranked. They're obviously going to be ranked now within the you know because they're they're going to be at two and one on the season. Yeah, and and their one loss was to uh, Spring Valley, yeah. correct? So yep. they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be one of the best teams in the state. They always are in Cabell Midland. Um, so no really surprise there that they beat up on South Charleston. And you mentioned that Bluefield game too. I think Bluefield's a better team than they their record. So Yeah, definitely. They just but played some really tough teams. We'll continue more high school talk this week. High school football in, in kind of mid-season form here, getting to week five. But that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Parsons Ford. Camp Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you Number one first, go to ParsonsFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll talk college football as Shepard gets an overtime win. And um, I was going to say Morgantown because we were talking about Morgantown, but WVU gets their first win of the season. We'll talk about that and much more on the other side of this two-minute break. We're doing the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. But You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this Monday, September 19th edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Colin hanging out with you today. Uh, we'll talk some Shepherd Rams football to begin the segment. Uh, it was an exciting one, Nick. Do you want to play how it ended? So this is for the win from 24 yards for Jacob Haney. 
Left hash. Zach Fry to snap. Garrett Hutchinson to hold. It's a good snap, good hold, and the kick is up, and it's good! And Shepard wins in overtime on a 24-yard Jacob Haney field goal. The Rams win it over Cal, 26-23. Come back from 23-13 in the fourth quarter to win this one. And that they did, Nick. It was a pretty impressive game uh, for Tyson Bajant through the air. 33 of 53, 490 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, the running game wasn't really a factor in this one, but uh, Ronnie Brown sure did get a touchdown. Yeah, he had an incredible touchdown reception of 73 yards uh, to kick off the scoring for Shepard. But Shepard gets out to that 13 nothing lead. You know, and it looks like the Rams are going to find a way to dominate this game and get a win. But then all of a sudden, here comes Cal, and in particular, their defense really got uh, tough on the Rams. In particular, like you said, running the football was an issue for Shepard. And Cal answers with 23 unanswered before Shepard answers with 13 unanswered to win the ball game, 26 to 23. So very back and forth game. And with 10 minutes left, it's 23-13, and things aren't looking that great for Shepard. And a few plays here and there really changed the outcome. We have that kickoff after Shepard scores to make it 23-20 where it's one-on-one with the kicker between Cal's return man and Jacob Haney and he just falls down, the return man does, and Shepard's able to dodge a bullet there. Dodged a big one. And end up winning that ball game. Yeah, because if they score that touchdown, game's probably over. Yeah, there wasn't that much time left at that point, so crazy sequence crazy game but if the rams you know have the football and tyson bajan has the ball in his hands it's probably a good situation for shepherd at the end of the game so as long as you have number two you have a chance and that's kind of what we were saying on the broadcast like hey it's a 10 point game with 10 minutes they were able to hold him to a field goal there to make it a 10 point game if they score there on that previous drive uh, maybe things change differently, but Shepard had a chance, and they had Tyson yeah. agents, so they had the football. Colin never, and I were never count out Tyson. Now. Colin and I were texting about. I, this. I'll let I him said, tell you that tonight on. And I said night this is a nail biter. I won't harp on you too much about hey. you uh, starting to doubt. I wasn't doubting. I just said all I was doubting was no, the fact that it was. You crazy said it was sequence. over at one point. Don't call Be me honest. out like that. Why are you calling me out? Because you're trying to lie on air. And I'm, I'm not, not lying. Allow it. I'm not lying. Um, but I'll stop. Shepard got up Travis thirteen. Scold you instead of me. Uh, Shepard got up thirteen. Nothing. Ronnie Brown seventy-three yard touchdown pass from Tyson Bajant, which he was able to just kind of get out there and you know get behind some defenders. And what was your call at the end of your call? He's ridiculous. He is he ridiculous. Is. Uh, the kick from Haney was blocked, unfortunately, so it was 6 nothing. Marlon Cook had a great back shoulder catch in the end zone uh, for an 11-yard touchdown reception. Uh, that made it 13 nothing. Then 23 unanswered points by Cal U until the fourth quarter. And uh, it was another big catch by Marlon Cook that kind of set up this next touchdown as uh, Tyson Bajan found the freshman Cam Dorner for an 18-yard touchdown reception on a five-play 65-yard drive to get Shepard within three after the PAT was good. And and that was kind of Cam Dorner's – he hasn't really played much in meaningful parts of the game. 
He, he kind of got it in the first two games in the latter half, but now trying that your freshman, if you're going to throw him into the fire in a game in which you're uh, you're down by ten at this point. Yeah, he's a good athlete. He's made some uh, good plays in practice and stuff like that, but they really haven't had just opportunities for him to get on the football. And when you have you know three, four wide receivers with experience with pretty similar talent levels, it's tough to see a freshman on the field. Uh, but he got on. He made that touchdown catch, and uh, it was a really nice catch there in the in the back of the end zone. So he may end up getting more opportunities on this football team. It, it's pretty much Marlon Cook and Ryan Beach are going to be out there you the majority of the time. Yeah. But who's going to be that third, fourth guy is still kind of up for debate. So EJ Morgan had a pretty good show. Morgan too. did have a good mm-hmm. game in his uh, return from injury, so that was good to see. It was really good to see. And then Brian Walker had a nice game. Yeah. Yep. Tight end. Jacob Haney, two field goals, huge 42 yard field goal as time expired to tie the ball game at 23 23. And then after uh, Cal U's kicker, Anthony Bettico? Bettico, yeah. That's Bettico missed a field goal in overtime. Shepard had the opportunity uh, to take the drive down six plays, 20 yards. Kicked the 23-yard field goal that you heard to win it. Shepard now is 3-0 and on the season. That was a big win for Shepard, I think. In what was categorized as a sellout at Rams Stadium. Yeah. 5,600 people. Oh, yeah. And which was more than the week prior, but we were talking about this. Because we talked about it on Monday time, Night Mayhem. it almost empty. You mentioned it at the half. A everybody lot was at the... No, what you can't see on our broadcast is everybody was at that pavilion. Pavilion? Okay. Because yeah. when we were looking at the bleachers, there were a lot of empty spots, and it kind of worried us a little bit because it got to a really competitive game. But on the defensive side, it seemed like Cal U was able to find a weak point that is very similar to last year's Shepard defense, and that was just going underneath, playing close, and trying to let their athletes make plays and have lengthy drives to really punch it into the end zone. and. Obviously, they found success against Shepard's defense, and does that worry you? Well, we saw Edinburgh do the same thing. They just couldn't finish drives. So these better teams like Cal, Kutztown this week, they're going to finish more drives against this defense. I still think the defense, though, when you needed them to, made the stops, right? We saw uh, Coach McCook and the Rams go for it there from the Cal 15-yard line instead of kicking a field goal in a three-point game. And they turn it over on downs, and the Shepherd defense forces a punt. So it's in those crucial situations, Shepherd defense has, for the most part, made the stops over the years. And if that continues with this offense, you'll be okay. And 23 points really isn't a bad day defensively. So, um, no, but you know who really impressed, and I don't necessarily know that you talked about him. But he had 10 solo tackles in the game and one assist. Devin Lynch. Oh, yeah. We called Devin Lynch's yeah. name quite a bit. Uh, but he wasn't really talked about as a big factor in this game, but he led the way for the Rams by five total tackles. Yeah, he had a great game. Uh, Journey Dunbar, I thought, had a nice game on the interior. Uh, just maybe not always in the numbers category will get credited with a ton of tackles, but he was causing some havoc. Solomon Alexander. Yeah, both those guys were getting rotational minutes there at the he had a sack. Yeah, Alexander had a big sack there. Along late. with Malik Holloway. Yeah, Malik did his thing off the edge. Uh, Kyle Smith had a few tackles here and there. So the defense, I think, will continue to get better. And it's not a super big concern for me because they are making stops when needed. Uh, 
and still doing some good things here and there. And we knew that Cal would be a much tougher opponent than Shepard's seen to this point. And I want to give props to you, Nick. On Friday, well, you, you were spot on with an analysis. Do you remember what number you said to watch out for for Shepard? 24 points or more. 24 points or more. They win. It was 23-23 going into overtime, and they got the 26 Yeah, Nick was talking about that during all the breaks. He goes, well, if they get 24, they win. So He, he was spot on. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's transition. I was trying to find the exact record, but I couldn't find it during the game. So I, don't, I know where I I know I read it on Shepard's game notes, but I just couldn't find it in the game notes that they had for us there. But now to West Virginia, they get the much anticipated win number one in a cupcake game as they defeated FCS foe Towson sixty-five to seven. Four quarterbacks saw action, including uh, Collins' favorite freshman Nico Marquial. Not Martial, it's Marquial, according to... Yeah, I thought that there was more emphasis on the H, but I guess not. Uh, but JT Daniels, 16 to 24, 174 yards, one touchdown. But he didn't need to do a lot because the ground attack really completely dominated this ballgame. Tony Mathis, to Tony Mathis, 17 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns, average of 6.1 a pop. The freshman C.J. Donaldson, nine carries, 101 yards, averaging an astonishing 11.2 uh, yards per carry with three touchdowns. Garrett Green, when he got the ball or when he got in, he had three rushes, 59 yards and a touchdown, 19.7 a pop. Um, uh, but, you know, obviously not a lot in the receiving game because you didn't need to. But Towson did come out and their only touchdown was scored on the opening kickoff. Yeah, it worried me with after WVU scoring on the opening drive to go up 7 nothing. Towson uh, responds with that beautiful kickoff return for a touchdown i'm like uh-oh here we go again we're gonna have a competitive game but now after that wv was able to uh put on the butt whooping that they needed and i guess we're not going to talk marshall we don't have time move it to the next segment we don't sure. have time i think we they got... deserve to be talked about we we don't we're already it's 44 and we haven't even taken our 12 30 break i know all right, that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store. Not just an appliance store any longer. Cabinets and designer bedding, outdoor living, and his family-owned and operated located at 360 Hack Wilson Way in Martinsburg. You can go to Orsini's.com for more. Uh, again, Neil Brown will have his press conference show today at 1 with the game at Virginia Tech on Thursday. Tomorrow will be the Neil Brown Coaches Show. Uh, that'll be tomorrow night, 6 to 8, but 12, or excuse me, 1 to 2, as the press conference is actually happening right now. Uh, but we'll air it 1 to 2 right after the conclusion of today's show. We'll be back, talk some NFL. Fortunately, all of our teams lost that we cover and the two of our teams that we like here. We'll talk about that. We come back after this two minute break. You tune in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Now, back to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by nobody yet. Excuse me, I was a little early on that one, but I mean, if we want to throw out segment sponsored in part by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online, they'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. Uh, we're a little behind today. Usually, that's true. thinking about this time, I'm thinking about another read that's... At, when we come back but whatever it's time to talk nfl uh the commanders uh they fall to the lions 36 27 you heard that right here on talk rated wr and 106.5 fm am 740 shut out in the first half 22 nothing uh I, I don't even know what was going on in that first half 
Yeah, they I wanted to throw terrible. my. I wanted to like break my TV. Oh, it was definitely well my parents' TV. Frustrating Cause to there. watch because all sides of the ball were horrible. I mean, the offense couldn't get a first down until the final drive of the first half. Yeah, and then the defense it seemed like just didn't know how to play football anymore and that continued throughout the entire game fortunately the offense was able to try to make it competitive but when the defense is unable to stop trick plays and runs you're not going to win this defense you could see that cam curl being out and really hurt them and they need chase young back to be a young leader because it was very frustrating to watch at points and then decision making in the end going for two missing it then not kicking an extra point because of that and then kicking the extra point and it misses you're like what is going on with the decision making in washington yeah and you know you look at the if you're just going to look at the box score and look at the stats carson wentz not a bad day 30 for 46 337 yards three touchdowns to one pick uh, again, that's what you're going to get with him. You're going to get some yeah, touchdowns. It, you're going to get a I, pick or two. And I feel like I'm not one frustrated is, at him. No, uh, but I would say he spread the ball out a lot better yes. this last week. Curtis Samuel, seven catches, 78 yards. Terry McLaurin, four catches, 75 yards. Jahan Dotson, four catches, 59 yards. But I think that all had to do with everybody going into week one was double covering Terry McLaurin. Or they were focusing. Yeah. And now that's not the case uh, because you can see what Dodson and what Samuel can do. Logan Thomas had a few big catches, including a touchdown. Dodson with another touchdown. Um, yeah, that defense just terrible. Jamin Davis, though, he was called out in, practice, in, in the press conference in midweek by, uh, by Jack Del Rio. And I thought, I thought, I thought he was going to have a good game. He came out and had a sack on the, in the first quarter. Uh, but unfortunately, he didn't have that great of a game, though he did have three total tackles. And the offensive line four. didn't impress me either. No, but that's a patchwork sacks. offensive line. Still. I'll, I'll say this. Way though. too many sacks. Commanders but, did come back, which is kind of encouraging, again, that they can show that they have that. All right, Nick, go. Nick, go. I was just going to say. That was my final time. I did pick the Lions, and the Lions are a uh, improved team, I think, offensively. They have They're fun to watch. pretty dynamic offense. I mean, you, you, you put Jared Goff with some weapons, and he can – do some good things, and they have that with uh, DeAndre Swift in the backfield. You know Jamal Williams as well. Uh, St. Brown is turning into a stud wide receiver for them, which they always seem to find good receivers over the years. And uh, DJ Chark's there, but he didn't do anything. I thought he did something. But yeah, whoever Reynolds has St. Brown a in a PPR league should be smiling ear to ear. I saw a stat in the game. He has now had eight straight games going, obviously back to last year with eight or more catches yeah pretty big yeah i found a way to beat him but that's thanks to aaron jones yeah uh but let's keep this going commanders next week against the eagles this week i guess it's gonna be concerning i don't know how that one folds out we'll talk about that as the week goes on steelers fall as well 17 to 14 uh to the patriots and it was really the mac jones show 21 to 35 100 252 yards uh one touchdown did have a pick though uh but Nelson Aguilar, six catches, 110 yards in that touchdown. The Steelers just not able to get a lot going. Mitch Trubisky, 21 of 33, 168 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Nadia Harris coming off that Patriots injury. cheated. You hear about this? No. What the former doing? Patriot fumbled a punt. Who? I don't know how to say his name. Ols Whiskey? Ol- Ol- 
Yeah, Gunner. He fumbled a Gunner. Punt. Hey, he fumbled a punt. Oh, interesting. So I think it's kind of like a little Garrett Blunt situation when he fumbled, he got cut by the Steelers and went back to the Patriots. Hmm. Bill Belichick, man, former player. I'm suspicious here. <laughs> Are huh? you suspicious? You know, I'm suspicious of though, suspicious of that Ravens secondary. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> the Ravens fell 42-38 to 38 in a 28-point uh, fourth-quarter comeback for the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa, 36 of 50, 469 yards, six touchdowns nice. to two picks. What? You said nice. Oh. It was a great game. Tyree Kill, two touchdowns, 190 yards. Jalen Waddell, two touchdowns, 171 yards, both with 11 catches in the game. Uh as a football fan, I think this offense down in the seasons, as further as the season goes on, is going to be impressive. But this Ravens secondary just really screwed the pooch. Yeah, I mean they've had they've had injuries there. Marlon Humphrey and uh, Marcus Peters aren't a hundred percent, and that was pretty clear on Sunday. So they're running out, you know, two rookie corners and Damon Williams and Armar Davis and a rookie safety and Kyle Hamilton. So. Uh, that really put them in a tough situation, I think, in that ball game. They're late, but the Ravens should have won this game. Yeah, I mean, yes. they were in control by a good bit there. And I think I mean, a few half things, time it was twenty eight seven. Yeah, a few things hurt them. They went for it on a fourth down toward midfield around the forty yard line, I think, of Miami, and they turned it over on downs because they come up short and then the Dolphins drove down and at that point made it a touchdown ball game. So I think some of that stuff hurt them, and obviously the injuries in the secondary and having a young secondary didn't help either. Lamar played great, but it wasn't good enough, unfortunately. It was not good enough. Ravens fall to 1-1 one one on the season. The Dolphins, 2-0. and oh. uh, But that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix. We'll be back two minutes to wrap things up on today's edition of the Sports Mix. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this final segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by the Marius Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. Call Ameriprise Financial Services at 304 263 4343. Or stop by their offices right here in Martinsburg at 1270 Winchester Avenue. Spencer, Nick, and Colin hanging out with you for about the final, about three minutes left on today's show. Uh, we'll talk some baseball I deep into September. Um, one more home run for Aaron Judge, and he'll get to 60. It's pretty impressive, the Babe Ruth number. Yeah, 60's only been done, I think, four times. I think Roger Maris, Barry Ruth, Bonds. Yeah, and Willie Mays, I think, have all hit sixty in a season. That last one might be wrong, but I know those those other three are all correct. And uh, did Sosa, McGuire, and Griffey never get to it? I don't think so. Well, or maybe if they it was did, Sosa. did they count? Maybe those? not Willie Mays, but I'm trying to remember did. the numbers from the Long Gone Summer, the one with the ESPN yeah. thirty for thirty. But we'll figure it out. He's within two of the AL record, so sixty one's the AL record. And then. Pujols, only, what, two home runs are away now from okay, 700? My bad. Sosa and McGuire both hit 60. Okay. 66 and yeah. 65. And uh, Sosa did it twice. He also did 63 and 61. There you go. So Willie Mays never did it, but 
those other ones were correct. Maris and Babe Ruth. Okay. Yankees also get back uh, Anthony Rizzo from the injured list as they're kind of bolstering up as they get to the postseason. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how the Yankees can go over these last few weeks because it's uh, not looking good for them. They've kind of stumbled. I hope they continue to stumble because the Orioles have some series against them. Yeah, it'd be big if the Orioles can get those wins. Uh, the Nats, they fell yesterday but got a series win over the um, Marlins. They fell yesterday 3-1. to one. Uh, Things are starting to look brighter with some young guys doing some big things. Uh, for the Nats, it seems like that these guys are starting to play in better roles. I think that they've been up here enough to, to figure out what they need to do to be successful. And I think as a Nats fan, it's good to see that happening. Good to see you be in games and good to see you win some games with these young guys being most of the team. Yeah, it's uh, impressive for what they've been able to do, and hopefully they can uh... – do better next season, obviously. That's also, where I want you want Luke to see Voigt the back. I want Luke Voigt back. He doesn't want to be back. I don't know. He went three for four yesterday. It's because he's trying to get to a contender. I guess. Maybe. Who knows? Orioles are four back. Do they make it? No. If they sweep Detroit, I'd be happy. They got That's a, a good start. I don't know. I don't think they make it, though. I don't think so, either. But I think they, they need another year. Wins. I think they need another year. Once these, these young guys like Gunner... They're going to uh, spend big this offseason, supposedly. They're going to get some veterans. I think that veteran leadership is what you need. You yeah. need some veteran guys there that are in their late 30s that could help things. But that'll do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. Right after this, you'll hear the Neil Brown press conference show from the Mountaineer Sports Network from Learfield. That'll do it for today's edition of the Sports Mix. For Colin, Nick, I'm Spencer saying so long. Today.